This is the Sunday Sermon Podcast from Claycomo Baptist Church in Claycomo, Missouri. Today is Sunday, January the 23rd, 2023. Our pastor, Scott Gordon, continues his study on Christian healthy habits with meditating into the Word of God. And now to Pastor Scott. We continue our series in healthy habits. And as we ended last week, I'm going to try to start this week in the ending part of last week's message, we talked about developing the habit of memorization. So here comes, on the screen, you guys get to be my graders. <coughs> Ouch, things are being thrown. <laughs> you get to be my graders. Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3. I'm not going to be looking at the screen up here. I'm not going to be looking at my cheat sheets, otherwise known as a Bible or my notes. And I'm going to try to recite from memory Psalm 1, 1 through 3 in the CSB. And so here we go. How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the company of No, stand in the, no, hello, walk, here I go in that. Go ahead and put that up on the screen, not for me, but for everybody to be able to grade me (laughs) on there. And I'm going to start over. See, memorization is not as easy as you make it out to be. Let me start over again here. How happy is the one? Who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway with sinners or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction and he meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. I think that was close. Did I get it? Did I get it? I was nervous already. I I did that to do two things. One, to prove it can be nerve-wracking. Two, to prove that it can be done. Uh, even if, and, and the challenge for me in this, because I encourage everybody to memorize in the translation you use, is I memorize that passage in the entirety, all the way through verse 6, in a whole different translation growing up. And so it's really easy to want to talk about walking not in the counsel of the ungodly, or standing in the way of sinners, or sitting in the seat of the scornful. See, those roll off. I've got that. That's stuck in here. The idea of walking in the advice of the wicked is something that mm, I've got to get back in, you know, into that. But it is helpful. 
And I want to encourage all of us to really be very intentional in making memorizing Scripture a part of what we do when we talk about intaking the Bible. In other words, the idea of hearing and all of these different aspects of that. In fact, we've kind of talked about, and as we hit today, these ideas of memorizing, hearing, reading, Studying, we're going to get to that next week, and then today, meditating. Now, how do, how do all of these relate? It sounds like a lot of overlap in different things, and there is, and so let me just ask you or, or make this statement. Why don't we just have a, a cup of tea this morning? Now, it was, it, it was tempting for me to bring all of that up here, but I don't have time to make us all a nice cup of hot tea. But let's take this analogy. This is one that I read this last week, and, and it being a cup of tea, it says, you are the cup of hot water. You're not in hot water. You are the cup of hot water. And the intake of Scripture, the Bible is represented by the tea bag. And so hearing God's Word that we talked about last week is, is like one dip of that bag in the hot water. Now, some of the tea's flavor is absorbed and, and comes into that hot water, but not enough. Not enough. But as, as we would think going through this, if we were to extend that further, the idea of reading and studying and memorizing God's Word are represented by additional dips of that tea bag into that water. And the more often we do that, the more of that, that tea flavor, if you will, gets into the water, but nothing like just taking and plunging that tea bag into the water, leaving it immersed too steep there. I mean, you can't have a good cup of hot tea if you don't leave the bag in the water long enough. I mean, and most people are going, you can't have a good cup of hot tea anyway. <laughs> All right, I get that. That may not be everybody's cup of tea. But the dad jokes are just rolling this morning. Work with me here a little bit. Maybe you need coffee, because the way I make coffee the way I like it is a French press, and the coffee has to steep in a French press as well. And so there's that idea uh, there. And so that's that picture. If that maybe helps us, the, all of those components are, are very much needed, reading and hearing God's Word, studying and memorizing. But when we really start talking about incorporating and really immersing ourselves in the Word of God, we are talking about steeping, I mean meditating on God's Word. And so let's, let's go down that road this morning. That's the only aspect of this habit of getting the Bible into our hearts and minds that we're going to talk about today is the meditation on God's Word. So let's first of all look at what the Bible says. What does the Bible have to say about meditation on God's Word and what are the related components? And as you guessed, we're going to start where, where I was just a moment ago in Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3. How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway with sinners or sit in the company of the mockers. Instead, here we are, verse 2, instead his delight is in the Lord's instruction and he meditates on it day and night. So meditation, according to the psalmist in Psalm 1, is an aspect of our lives that is carried out throughout the day, day and night. 
And this is going to get me to something I was going to say, but I think it's a good, good point to bring this in right here. When we talk about meditation, we're not talking about emptying our minds. We talk about meditation, we're not talking about sitting in a specific room that's dark or lit with candles or whatever it is, with our hands in a specific position or whatever this is, chanting some repetitive syllable. We're talking about active involvement of our minds, saturating, immersing ourselves in the truth of God's word. That is the concept of meditation. I think we hear meditating on God's word as a habit we should incorporate. We think, I don't have a place for that. I don't have time for that. Because I think we look at these aspects of what the world has and others would say meditation should be or is often pictured as, and the Bible has an exact opposite picture of that. It's active it's engaging our minds. It is focusing ourselves there. And we'll talk about that. What are the benefits, according to the psalmist here, of meditation? Verse 3 says this, He is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit in its season. A flourishing tree. Right next to the source that helps grow and sustain life. That's that aspect, a beautiful picture of meditation elsewhere in the psalm psalm 119 verses 97 to 99 i'm going to be using this i had to readjust or or just to adjust uh my speaking at chapel at north end christian school from a couple of weeks ago to this coming thursday and i'm going to use this you'll see why in a minute when i talk to the students there it says how i love your instruction it is my meditation all day long. Your command makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is always with me. I have more insight than all my teachers. There's the key for the students. Because your decrees are my meditation. I mean, the psalmist and multiple aspects of the psalmist, some that we don't know specifically who they are, David, in other cases, very much focused on the idea of meditation. Here we are again. Meditation all day long. Sounds like, man, that's going to wear me out. But that picture of a God-focused, word-saturated life is all throughout the Bible. And what is the benefit of meditation according to Psalm 119 in these verses? It is that meditation helps us become wise. It gives us the opportunity to gain insight into God's Word. Because, let's be honest, if we merely spend a passing amount of time in the Word of God, we're going to have a passing in understanding of who God is. And so this is this slow down and stop moment. And in the culture and times in which we live, slow down and stop is just not at the top of a lot of people's priority list. We've got to be doing, we've got to be, and yet we need the time to sit down and be in God's word and draw our attention there and then carry it out throughout the day. And we'll talk about some of the hows of that in just a minute, but what else does the Bible say about meditation? I'm glad you asked. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8, we read this. It says, the book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You are to meditate on it day and night so that you may carefully observe everything written in it, for then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. I think there's a theme coming out. Meditation, now we're back to day and night. 
just like the other psalmist, all day long. This word of God, the truth of God, is not to depart from your mouth. Why? So that we could have blessing and success in life. You say blessing and success, that's not our thing. That's that other group that gets off kilter. And if we were to take it based on our definition, I'd agree with you 100%. But the Bible says that you would be prosperous, you would be blessed, and that you would have success. Here's the key, as God defines it. We look at verses like this at times, we think, oh, well, there's a key. Man, I will meditate all day long if I will be prosperous. Man, I will read God's word for six hours a day if the bank account fills up. You need to redefine prosperity. You need to relook at success. But that's the aspect that we would be those who are blessed, that we would bring honor and glory to God. We would see the furtherance of his kingdom. We would grow in righteousness. That's our goal. Remember where we started a couple of weeks ago? What is the goal of building these spiritual habits into our lives? It is that we would live holy and godly lives. Not that we would have a bunch of other stuff we do so that we can pat ourselves on the back, that I read my Bible, I memorize, I meditate, I I am a faithful giver, I am a, a dedicated prayer, I am the greatest evangelist, all these things, so that we can pat ourselves on the back for things we do. No, we do all of these things. We begin to build those habits into our lives that God's name would be glorified. We would enjoy the blessings and and just absolutely be immersed in the glory and the assurance and the peace that passes understanding, yes, that his name would be made great. Well, you're saying that's a lot of Old Testament. Well, okay, for the fact of equal time, let's move to the New Testament. Here's Philippians 4.8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Now, I love that right there. That the, the description of meditation is to dwell on here. I like that. Other translation I grew up with says think on these things. That's good, but the idea is to dwell is to dwell on these things. What's the purpose of that? Well, listen to these character qualities. Truth, honor, just, pure, lovely, commendable, moral excellence, praiseworthy. I believe at our heart of hearts as children of God, that is the desire that we would have lives characterized by these very words. How do we get there? Dwell on these things. Find ourselves immersed into the word of God because as a friend of mine said, we behave what we believe. We can say a lot of things. 
but our behavior indicates exactly what we believe, what we value. And if we find ourselves sharing God's word, if we find ourselves focusing on the truth of God's word in a, a in every aspect of our lives, not just one, not just on Sunday mornings, not just on Wednesday afternoons or evenings and things, but all throughout various components of our lives, day to day, day and night, we find ourselves in a position bringing honor and glory to God. What does 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 15 have to say about meditation? It says, practice these things, be committed to them, so that your progress may be evident to all. Now, this is Paul speaking to a young pastor named Timothy. And the picture of meditation is in the word practice. It is to cultivate a habit. It is to work. It is to kind of plow up that ground. It is to, you don't just kind of run over it quickly. You, you have to get in and to dig through and to really spend time repetitively going over the process. And the encouragement there, if we read all of 1 Timothy chapter 4, brings us into being nourished in verse 6 by the words of the faith, the good teaching you have followed, which was part of how he was brought up, Timothy, in his household to understand these things. And it says, practice these things. Be committed to them all. And out of the word that he had been taught, the impact on all of life was evident in Paul's own testimony about Timothy and his upbringing as well. And he says, cultivate these habits. So meditation, biblically speaking, is a deep and continual thinking on the truth revealed in the Bible. We want just a real simple definition Distilled down to the bottom line, I believe meditation, biblically speaking, is a deep and continual thinking on the truth revealed in the Bible. Well, if the Bible says this, what do we therefore need to do? Well, the, the answer is real simple. We just have to choose to steep. We have to choose to focus in this direction. I love the picture in Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning in, in verse 5, we read this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These words that I am giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your city gates. That sounds like day and night. That sounds like all day long to me. And so how do we practically take some steps in our own lives? I'm going to give you just a few aspects of we can choose to steep by doing some of the following. This list I'm going to, <coughs> excuse me for a moment there. Mm. This, this list I'm going to present is by no means exhaustive. You may say, hey, I've heard about maybe doing this. Would this be something that would be helpful in Man, I, I, would, I would be glad to say, hey, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Let's talk about how does that work? What does that look like? What have you seen? What have you done? But I just want to give you a few. Some may just immediately go, hey, this is something I can do. And then there's another one on this. Hey, I'd, I'd like to be able to do this. I'm going to work towards that goal. So let me just mention a few that I read about this week. 
First of all is we can choose to steep by emphasizing different words or phrases in the verse or verses as you read and reread. Now, in a sense, this encouragement is much like the Hebrew word, especially, and in somewhat the Greek word, but definitely the Hebrew concept of meditation carries with it these ideas of musing or murmuring or muttering. You know, it's just like, I can't believe it. Now, we think of muttering and musing like worrying. What do you do when you worry? You go over and 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 over it again. And you, you key in on different components of it all the way through. It's kind of, so take this for what it's worth. Maybe this is a good picture. Try worrying the Bible instead of worrying your circumstances. Try muttering the Bible instead of muttering your circumstances. I know that sounds like, that's a little uncomfortable, that's fine. But it is this idea of repetition. And one way to make that is to take that verse and to emphasize for it. Now, I'm going to also give you a warning about this. While I like this in some ways, there's some components of this that I want to ward off getting off track with using this technique for meditation. But Psalm 23, verse 1 The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I, and I'm going to put two words together, shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now, we can, you can pause and that is, what are we talking about? You know, it is, he is my shepherd. Who? The Lord is my shepherd. I, I, I don't have to want. I have what I need, another translation puts it. The Lord is my shepherd. He guides me down the path he protects me every day of my life now here's another one i want us to be careful because depending on your translation we can maybe get out of context with what the word of god has to say here's one john three sixteen. for god so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life I mean, got it done we're used to thinking through this oh we need to slow down and do this okay for God. Now, most translations we grew up with, for God so loved the world. But if we say it like this, for God so loved the world, for God so loved, what do you think of when you hear so? We hear so much. For God so much love. That's not at all what's being said in that verse. Shoot me now. You're going, uh. No, no, no. That's why I like the CSB on this. God loved the world in this way. We would say it like this. God loved the world so. So, be careful whenever you do this. But it is worth doing this aspect. And, and here's it. It doesn't have to be word for word. It can be phrase by phrase. I love Jude verse 24. 
And I'm just going to take it in sections. Now to him. Who is able. To protect you. From stumbling. And to make you stand. In the presence of his glory. Without blemish. And with great joy. We've memorized that verse. We take it through. We stop and we look at each of those phrases and say, wow, how rich is this? Just emphasizing that component, that phrase, maybe that word in that verse. Here's another opportunity and another technique to help encourage and facilitate us meditating on God's word is to rewrite the verse in your own words. Now you're saying, what do you think? You want us to, re-? The, the word for that technically is called paraphrasing. There's a whole quote-unquote translation out there that is technically really a paraphrase called the Living Bible. It's not one that I recommend as a good translation to read from, but it's a paraphrase. Why? Because somebody took an English translation and rewrote it in their own words, thus paraphrasing it. The only aspect that I would encourage or challenge is if you're going to rewrite this, do it with someone else. Do it with somebody there. And you say, I don't do this. Yes. How many have ever read a verse and have somebody ask you, what does that verse mean? And you said, well, it's like this. And you go to explain what it means. That's what rewriting in your own words is. It's taking that time to be able to look at that and and to be able to say, how happy or blessed is the individual who does not walk in step with the thinking of wicked people. What have I just done? The first phrase of Psalm 1 in my own words. Is there anything unbiblical about what I said? No, it's just different than the translation. I would rewrite it and then I would hand it to somebody and say, hey, is this good? Is this on track? I don't want to get off track. But being able to bring that personalization into this aspect is a, I believe, a significant way that we continue to internalize and steep ourselves in the Word of God, in His truth. Another way is to ask how this verse relates to the gospel or what we would call the big picture story of the Bible. Looking at it, now not every verse points us to the cross immediately in the sense of this is a prophecy about the cross this is saying this is the cross but every component of the scripture talks us about tells us about the nature of God the love of God that is most clearly seen in the saving work of sending his one and only son to die on the cross for your sin and mine that when we repent of our sin and place our faith and trust in Jesus as our savior and lord he forgives us our sin And we have been given eternal life, everlasting life. And so looking at how does this this passage that I'm memorizing, this, this passage that I'm reading, that I'm looking to, how does that relate to all that the Bible has to say about God? Another way to meditate is to pray through the verse. 
take someone. Lord, make me a blessed man. Lord, help me to not follow in the pathway of sinners. Help me to not walk according to the worldview of godlessness. Father, I pray that I would not be content or be pictured as someone who wants to sit in the company and go along with mockery. That's how you pray through a verse. Take it and do that kind of work that brings us into this focus. Aspect that kind of goes along with finding the big picture story is to find a link or the common thread between phrases or verses. This is a, important for the idea of context, even in Bible study, but in meditation, it's the idea of, hey, as we're reading, maybe it just kind of pops out to you. Look, there's, look, at, look at what he's saying. Look, you've got to start here to get to here because if you want to get to there, you can't go until you stop by this next point. And you begin to just see the progression, the, the logic put together, the, the beautiful purpose and plan of God in these verses and in the truth that he has revealed. Now, here's a real practical for throughout the day because you're going, man, I can't meditate. I can't just sit here and walk around all day with this Bible like right in front of my face. I can't talk to my boss that way. I can't talk to my kids that way. I mean, it's just not real practical. But here is a way. Place a copy of the verse or verses that you're focusing on, on your mirror, on the fridge, on your dashboard. Don't read it while you're driving, I guess. It's as bad as texting and driving. Here I am. I'm going to get us in trouble. But doesn't making a copy of it and putting it on that mirror, either that mirror that's on the backside of your door, that mirror that's in your bathroom or over the top of your dresser in your bedroom or on the refrigerator in the kitchen or, you know, next to the doorway. Oh, doorway. That sounds like right it on the doorpost. Maybe on the gates like we heard in Deuteronomy 6. Seems that there is nothing new under the sun. One other way to meditate, and this is what's going to blow everything out of the water as far as it needing to be in a quiet room with candles lit and incense and chanting syllables and all that stuff. Share the verse with someone else. Just share it. Text it to them. You, you were reading it this morning, and you really just got stopped and focused here. And, man, this is just too good to let go by. i got to tell somebody. Text it to them. Email it. Call them. Call somebody up and say, let's get together for lunch. While you're there, you, you know, say, hey, I set you up, man. I got to tell you about this verse I was reading today. Say, meditation, what is meditation? It is deeply and continually thinking about the truth of God's word. We do that really well whenever, as we've taken it to heart, we want to share it with somebody else so they can too. Speaking it out loud will be a blessing to you and the other person as well. So just take those time. Those are some ways that meditating, that, that the, the other word is to ruminate, to really just kind of chew on it for a while, just to really just to get all of the good flavor, you know, into it and all of that picture. 
of just really enjoying God's word and, and to spend time. It's, it, think about this. This will be a, a, a perfect maybe picture for us all. Imagine it's cold outside. I don't know. Maybe you've experienced that this week. Uh, I'm just guessing. I mean, icy cold. Wind chills below zero. Okay, we've been there. And you step into the house. As you step into the room there, you see the fireplace. Oh, yeah. And so as you, as you approach the fireplace, you stick out your hands and you start doing this. And you do that just long enough for about the two seconds it takes you to walk past the fireplace to the other side of the room. You get to the other side of the room and you realize, I'm still cold. I mean, is, is, it, is it that you're just a, a bad, as one writer put it that I, I heard this analogy from, a bad warmer upper? Do you, do you just, not, you know, is it, the, the problem is not you, it's the method. When we want to warm up, what do we think? There's the fireplace. Yeah, I'm going to do this because now my hands are hot. But I'm going to stay by the fire. I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm going to linger here for a minute. And I'm not only going to warm the hand, I've got to do this. And, you know, eventually that, that warmth of that fire starts to kind of, you know, get the icy chill off of your jacket or off of your shirt. Eventually that heat gets into the point, where, oh, man, my hands are getting red, my face is getting red, the heat is there. And finally it gets all the way to the bones. Every part of me is finally warm. How did that happen? You stayed by the fire long enough. The challenge for all of us in the idea of meditation is do we or will we stay by the fire of God's word long enough for the heat and warmth of that truth to permeate our lives. To reach every aspect of who we are and what we are dealing with and, and what we are facing. You, you may be asking, that's kind of a weird picture, and, and maybe it is for some, maybe it's helpful for others. It kind of helps draw a picture for me of, all right, the idea of taking the Bible into my life does require me to spend some time. It doesn't mean I have to, to be truly spiritual, get up at 2 in the morning and, and spend three hours in my Greek and Hebrew text to be able to really see God. I mean, we'll talk about studying next week, and there's an aspect of digging that we, we need to be about. We definitely do. But I don't think we often recognize maybe the importance of just spending time in God's Word. I think we make those statements about our relationships. We can't really have a relationship with somebody, husband and wife, parents with kids, friends, if we don't spend time. And that's the aspect of meditation that just gets us to that focus. And at times it is. We get together for dinner. We get together to watch the game like we might be doing this afternoon or evening. We might just get together to hang out. We'll play games. We're going to do whatever, have a meal. 
we spend that time. Other times, it's just a phone call on the way. Hey, how you doing? Hadn't talked to you in a while. And it may be brief. But that relationship is what? Before us, day and night. Why do I want us to steep in God's word? Why do I want us to linger by the fire? Colossians 3 and verse 16 says it like this. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you. And if you were a good southerner, that is technically y'all. It's not just you individually, it's y'all together. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among, okay, let's do it a little bit, you guys. In all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another through psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. The next verse goes on to say, whatever you do in word or deed, do all to the glory of God in Christ Jesus. Beautiful picture of the blessing of being in God's word and the deep richness we find when we take the time to meditate on that truth. You're listening to the Clay Cullen Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. For more information about Clay Cullen, please visit us online at www.claybapt.org.